0: This is Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, the Channelnomics podcast that connects you with channel chiefs, thought leaders, and executives about what it takes to get the next generation of tech to market. Here's your host, Larry Walsh, the CEO and chief analyst of Channelnomics. Hey,
1: everyone. Welcome back to Changing Channels. I, of course, am Larry Walsh, and this is the final episode of Changing Channels for 2022, and we have saved the best for last. And by best for last, I mean this is, of course, our best of episode. We wanted to take this opportunity to share with you some of the great insights and conversations we've had over the course of this past year, uh, share with you and highlight some of the great guests we've had, and we've had a number of them. Um, And this is important to us because Changing Channels is all about information exchange. We use this podcast to exchange ideas and lessons and transferable skills or things to avoid as you're developing and maturing and optimizing channels and learning from the people who actually do it. Um, And we've had a number of great people on this year to talk about channel development, channel lessons, channel insights. Uh, We had Rob Ray, who was the Senior Vice President of Business Development at Datto. Um, Datto, of course, was acquired by Kaseya, and Rob is now exploring other opportunities. He tells me he's going to be landing somewhere soon. Uh, We had Louise McAvoy from Trend Micro on, and uh, this was probably one of the more uh, unusual conversations for us. Uh, because we weren't necessarily talking about technology but her love of mountain climbing and how she summited mount everest and some of the lessons she learned from the perseverance of go climb a mountain to developing good channel relationships Uh, we had ted schumann and i should say the incomparable ted schumann who was the founder and ceo of planet one um one of the master agents on the channel that was acquired by avant of course the acquisition happened after his appearance on changing channels we can't say we had anything to do with it, but I'm going to take a little credit for it. Um, we also had Michelle Hodges on, who at the time, she was the vice president of worldwide channels at GitLab. Uh, she's now taken on the role of senior vice president of global channels and alliances at Avante. Uh, when we had her on, she was talking to us about how channel leaders can develop productive and strong relationships with boards of directors and use those relationships to further advance the purposes of channels. Uh, we also had our good friend, John Doucette of Ingram Micro Cloud come on and talk with talk with us about some of the research channelnomics and Ingram Micro has done about the state of cloud services in channel. We welcomed Lou Sarenga of the startup Nile. Now Nile is a very interesting company because it is a networking company uh, I mean, launching a networking company into what is really one of the more conventional uh, staid segments of the channel. Uh, Niall had an interesting model, and he shared with us how it's launching as a services-only company. Uh, we also had Dan Tomacheski on of Kaseya. Now, Dan, who was the VP of who is the VP of Channels at Casia? Came on to talk about how to better engage and enable partners uh, to become more productive managed service providers. Uh, great lessons for any company that's looking to develop a managed services channel. And we also had Cheryl Cook, who is the uh, Senior Vice President of Global Marketing at uh, Global Channel Marketing at Dell Technologies, to talk about the evolution. Of marketing in the channel and the relationship between marketing and sales uh, in the channel. I mean some truly exceptional guests. Um, And there's others that we had on as well, and just a few of the highlights here. But we did, like I said, we wanted to take this opportunity to share with you some of the more memorable conversations we had. Uh, And we're going to start with our old friend Justin Crotty, who is the Senior Vice President of Channels at Net & Rich. Now I've known Justin for a long time. I first started working and associating with him when he was at Ingram Micro, developing the first services uh, services practices and distribution, enabling managed service providers and bringing out products from the nascent uh, early managed services companies. And Justin and I were talking about the evolution of managed services in the market as well as in the channel and how there's a growing schism is that traditionally managed services has been delivered as, uh, as components into an MSP stack. And then the MSP takes those technologies and delivers services independently to their customers. Uh, and now we're seeing the advent of vendors wanting to create these walled gardens, uh, these exclusive zones, uh, in which the MSPs are almost reselling. And so Justin brought up some interesting points about the need to demonstrating value in managed services, how, how vendors and MSPs, regardless of what their model is, need to demonstrate that they did something for their customers because oftentimes, managed services is an art where the customer actually doesn't see anything happen. Let's take a listen to Justin's comments.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's always been kind of the the the, the catch-22 of, of any of these recurring services, be they managed services or managed security services, right, Larry? Yeah. The customer doesn't see bad things happening, and over time, they start questioning, you know, what the hell you're doing, right? When in reality, you're probably doing a really good job at keeping the challenge, you know, keeping the problems at bay or re- resolving or reducing problems for the customer. So. I don't think anything's changing there, but I do think to your, to your specific question, you know, give me a bag of money and, and nothing and you, you, you won't understand what's happening. I, I think that is rapidly changing because of this, this dynamic of traditional IT operations and traditional security operations. The fact that they were running in site, you know, you know, operating in silos that are now, I think coming together. So you don't have services, for a client that are not security first, you don't have you're not running operations for a client that are not secure operations anymore. You're not delivering uh, you know infrastructure man- management services that you know that that are not security oriented or at least risk oriented. So the way that providers need to start thinking about value to the client is how do I, number one, make best use of all of this data that I have access to through these detection technologies? And the best use of that is, how do I push as much of that to the machine or at least the initial sort of assessment, contextualization, collaboration, and resolution to the machine? And then my human operators are receiving analytics and insights in the manner that helps them understand the impact prioritize the resolution and give them insights into how to actually fix the problem. Uh, and that's, that's our view of modern operations. Um, you know, a lot of providers outsource resolution, right? Outsource remediation of problems. And that's where you may have people asking questions. Well, what's happening? You know, what, what is the partner doing for that? You know, I, I think that, you know, modern operations requires effective risk management, effective prioritization, effective context, and ultimately speed of resolution of challenges in an IT environment uh, with a security first mentality. And that's, that's where we see the market headed. That is a data problem at its core. And that is the solution we're trying to help drive. Again, regardless of the telemetry technologies being deployed, and you know there, there there are companies that are working on that issue as well. But that we view is really the next challenge, the next phase of this idea of you know, modern service operations, or modern managed services, or modern managed security
1: services. One of the things we track here at Channelcomics is the impact of these into a business. Now, our research has shown that easy of doing business is not just a punctuation or a catchphrase that vendors use at their conferences. It actually does make a demonstrable difference in channel performance. In fact, our research shows that vendors that are easy to do, do business with tend to get a greater share of wallet, oftentimes 3X to 5X greater share of partner wallet than those that are more difficult to do business with. It correlates the channel expense to benefit meaning that the easier you are, the more benefit you're going to get out of partners, the harder you are, the more it's going to cost you to motivate partners. Now, a number of vendors have tried using automation to make their programs and their relationships easier, to remove the friction from the go-to-market process, which is why it intrigued me when Kim King of Hitachi Ventura approached me about this new system that they were rolling out. Uh, Hitachi Ventura, where Kim is the Senior Vice President of Strategic Partnerships and Alliances, um, had been developing this system, a painstaking process of development over a course of two years um, to automate the quoting process. Uh, And it has been a remarkable journey. Uh, you know, because they had to go through and map all the pricing scenarios, all the incentives, um, all the configurations. Uh, They had to learn from their own history to be able to develop an effective quoting to. And they have, they have taken this process where getting a quote from Hitachi Ventura has gone from days to hours, in some cases under an hour. Um, They have partners are getting full transparency in their pricing, their discounts and their incentives. And Hitachi Ventura is freeing resources to, to direct them towards true value-add activities. Um, so I asked him what advice she would give her peers who are just starting the CPQ journey. Let's have a listen to what she said. You know, getting,
0: really, it's getting everybody internally aligned behind this, right? I think that's the biggest thing. I was, like I said in the beginning, it, it's huge kudos to my team internally our our pricing team right our operations team our finance team you have to get everybody on the same page and make them your champion internally I mean even with our just our overall portal I had a huge you know win with them and our internal IT team who championed and supported it and found dollars for me to get the portal done and upgraded and get through all three phases so I think it's you know it's important to really surround yourself with the, the smartest people you can in the organization and get them to understand how valuable this can be to driving sales and really driving, you know, top and bottom line growth from a partner perspective, right? I think we, you know, you and i lived this for many years, right? So you you have a sales problem, throw more salespeople at it. To me, if we have a sales problem, you got to throw more automation at your partner channel so that they can be more successful and drive velocity and growth. And so that's what we did. And that's what we're seeing. And I think there's always a a different way to look at it. And so I would say start with your biggest champions in the organization that can help you be successful because you can never do it alone, right? It's a a team effort.
1: Since I've been in the channel, I've heard vendors say repeatedly that they want to work with the right partners, um, that there are a special class of partners out there in the market that they have not met yet that are going to be fully engaged, fully committed and produce results. and I've always kind of snickered at this idea because it implies that there are partners that are hidden from sight, um, that the, the right partners are not are never quite in reach. Uh, it's a topic I've always wanted to explore with a channel chief, uh, and particularly one with a lot of experience. And that's why I reached out to Todd Palmer, who's the senior vice president of global partner sales at Tanium. He's a true channel veteran. He's been around the business for a long time, having held senior channel leadership positions at a number of companies. And Todd and I got a chance to talk about about what it means to have the right partners or the fallacy of chasing the right partners, um, how there's this fallacy or this this almost mythology about about being able to activate in mind the long tail the 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 great masses of partners that are not truly productive to find diamonds in the rough um, and also what it means to actually have engagement with partners. And one of the things that Todd said, we closed out our conversation with a real prescient point that he raised, is that the real goal is not just to have the right partners or to always be looking to chase for the right partners or the next set of right partners, but to know your partners, to understand their capabilities and to focus on outcomes. Here, let's take a listen to what Todd had to say about this.
3: I think the advice that I'd give to someone that was starting out right now, is, and it kind of ties into the question about which is the right partners, but you have to be 100% in alignment with your chief revenue officer and your sales teams in the field about what partners that you are going to go to market with, because everyone plays a role in being successful and growing your business and that partner's business. And that is missed a lot of the time at many organizations. So you should be able to walk to any sales rep and pick the town in the United States or in Germany or in France, you know, who are the three to four partners that are most important to our business that we're all investing in. Everyone should be able to rattle that off. And that's critically important because, you know, I often tell people this is partnering is all about people. It's not about the organization. It's about the sales reps on the field. Do they know, like, and trust, and respect the their peer in the sales organization, that partner? Do our technical teams respect the skills and the talents that that team have? Do we understand the value that they add, actually, to the go-to-market model? Alignment. There's nothing more important. Align, internal alignment between the partner organization and the sales organization about the partners you're going to go to market with and the role that they're actually going to play and the role everybody in the organization plays to help support those partners. That, I think, is the by far the most important thing that has to happen for this to be successful in any company.
1: A recurring conversation of 2022, at least for me and all of us here at Chelonomics, is the value of distribution. Uh, and you may have noticed some of the things that we have put out with our friends at the Global Technology Distribution Council, better known as GTDC, uh, about the benefits of distribution and some of the untapped resources that, this, that distributors deliver. Um, Part of the reason why this has become a recurring conversation is because vendors, and I've had numerous conversations on this topic, vendors are looking at distribution with a more critical eye. Um, as more technologies are delivered as a service, as they are as they are more becoming increasingly more cloud-based, um, that there are fewer tangible products, hardware products, uh, that are being processed through distribution vendors are beginning to question what the true value of distribution is. So it's a little unusual to hear about a born-in-the-cloud company, particularly one that at first was not very involved in the channel, then found the channel and is now looking to leverage the channel for its growth to actually dive into distribution to build out a distribution strategy and network to support its go-to-market. So I invited our friend Eric Buck. he's the director of commercial partners and global distributors at Google, to talk about what it means for a cloud company, especially one that is known for being SaaS only, one that's known for for being very much steep in the next generation of digital technology delivery, to leverage something like a two-tier channel to find its way to market. And Eric raises some great points about how distribution is a go-to-market enabler, even for cloud and services companies. Let's take a look at what Eric had to say.
4: Part of what I look at, for instance, is when a partner engages Google Cloud to become a partner. So first off, that partner had to come find us themselves, right? Forget about the proactive, just defining them, us being at events and getting this aggregated view and being able to present our value to the partners. They just happened to find us for whatever reason. Probably a customer asked them to check into us their experience of signing up with us, it takes, it takes some time. And there's a good percentage of those partners that that may not finish that process as compared to a distributor where they already have a relationship. We don't even have to go through steps. So there's a lot of things along the partner journey. I like to look at, um, to talk about how the distributor can influence that experience for the partner. And I start from onboarding all the way to how we get them to the top of the program through enablement functions, demand generation capabilities, Um, And I'm always looking at the data. One of my favorite models, my team uh, would 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 be upset if I didn't talk about the RFY model. You know, we look at reach, frequency and yield. Uh, So we look at a partner and how many times are they buying? You know, what's the average order size of the deals really start to get in and crunch like, okay, what's the play for the buyer that's going to buy workspace and only going to buy it once? How do we how do we make that an ease of business play very fast and simple? Uh, So, yes, a big fan of of data and making the case. And I think when you go through all those steps and you start to share that knowledge internally, people start to acclimate around like, yeah, why? They're not the same thing. Us managing a partner and distributor managing a partner, those aren't just linear, oh, it's the same thing. No. An analogy of cars, right? You've got a beautiful Porsche and I've got an old VW. You want to trade? No, right? There's still cars, though. Why not? Right? So the right. reality is, is those experiences are completely different because one company is spending all their time honing that experience.
1: Finally, I'd like to talk about a topic that has affected everyone in the world, which is the war in Ukraine. In February 2022, the Russians invaded Ukraine, and the impact was astonishing. Uh, many observers thought the war would be over in a matter of weeks, if not days. Um... And that didn't happen. But the consequences of that invasion was astonishing. Millions of Ukrainian civilians fled the country seeking refuge in other places around Europe in Poland, Germany, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, and many more. Um, The Western world, the United States and NATO countries responded with aid for Ukraine, providing humanitarian aid to its people as well as military aid to resist the Russian invasion. And the technology industry responded quickly as well. Even as Western governments were imposing stanc- sanctions on Russia, technology companies around the world withdrew or suspended their operations in Russia. And it was a part of an effort to put, Russia, put pressure on the Russian government to curb its war ambitions. Now, the sanctions and the, the tech protest hasn't really had much of an impact but the symbolism of it was truly remarkable. Um, Some tech companies even stepped up to provide direct aid to its people because some of their employees were affected by the invasion or some of their employees were helping the refugees with their, in their plight to seek safety. Uh, One of those companies was Acronis. Uh, Acronis not only enabled its employees to to help refugees, but its charitable foundation the Acronis Foundation pivoted to providing support to ref- Ukrainian refugees in the form of housing, training, and jobs. And so we had Acronis CEO Patrick Pulvermuller on the podcast to talk about the impact of the Ukrainian war and how it changed his thinking towards planning. Let's take a listen.
5: No. So, frankly, no one, at least I, did not think about that scenario. Right. Nevertheless, what we have seen and what I think is so unique about Acronis is that strong community sense and as soon as that happened as I mentioned earlier more than 100 volunteers suddenly raised their hand and said hey we want to help how can we help and that's where our foundation actually came into place because with the foundation we have a structure where we know how to help even in the most complex situations. And we just used the talent and refocused it. And said, hey, today, we're not building a school. We are not helping seniors to learn IT. Let's really now focus on this topic and help the people, the refugees, no matter where they might come from, help them to find a place to be as quickly as possible. So we leveraged our tools and we leveraged our our knowledge, frankly,
1: in that regards. As I said, we had a number of great guests on Changing Channels this year, and we're going to continue to bring more on as we prepare for our next season in 2023. You can expect to see more thought leaders, uh, more executive conversations, more experience and information exchange here on Changing Channels. That's our mission. Our mission is here to provide you with insights and information and lessons that you can apply in your world. As I keep saying here is, you know, technology is changing the world. It is literally changing the landscape in which we live and we operate. And the means by getting that technology to market is through the channel. So we here at we are going to continue to do what we do day in and day out, which is chart the course for how stuff gets from one end of the supply chain to the consumers, how it gets from there to here. That's our mission. And we're going to continue to do that for you. I want to thank you for tuning into Changing Channels this year and for your ongoing support of this podcast, as well as my company, Channelnomics. We do this for you, the channel community. And it's our privilege to provide you with this service. So I hope you keep coming back. I hope you tell your colleagues and your friends about this podcast, I encourage them to listen in, and please subscribe. It helps us out a lot. Until 2023, I wish you a happy new year. And we'll see you on the other side.
0: Thank you for joining Changing Channels with Larry Walsh, a production of Channelnomics. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit the like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and share with your friends. For more information about Channelnomics services and insights, follow us on Twitter and YouTube, and check out our website at channelnomics.com. Channelnomics is a registered trademark of, and Changing Channels is copyright by, 2112 Enterprises, LLC.